Today's episode is brought to you by Patreon sponsor Brent Allen. If you'd like to learn more about sponsoring the podcast through a recurring monthly donation, check out patreon.com forward slash school of laughs. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash school of laughs. Thanks, Brent. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 107 of the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here, and thanks for joining us. Whether you're tuning in for the very first time or you've been here for the entire ride, God bless you, 107 episodes. Nice to be part of your ears and in your brain. Hey, today I've got what I call my mailbox episode where I go through my email box and my Facebook inbox and some Twitter at replies and answer some questions that you guys have asked me. And instead of just answering directly back to you, I'm going to answer them so everybody can hear what you were thinking. And I'm sure somebody out there listening can pick up a little bit of information and some knowledge from your questions. So thanks for sending those questions in. I'm always interested in answering questions or at least telling you what I know about your questions. And you can send those in to schooloflaughs at gmail.com or at schooloflaughs on Twitter. And I'll be happy to answer them here on the podcast and maybe even get you a quick answer while you're waiting for the big answer on the show. Real quickly before I get into the show, if you're listening to this on the Thursday of release, then you can catch me and Brian Bates, who's a frequent podcast guest and a former School of Last student at Zany's Comedy Club. It'll be part of the Clean Comedy Series. I'll be headlining the show. Bates will be in there, I believe, in the middle spot, and it'll be a 100% clean show if that's what you're into. Perfect time to come out on day of release tonight, Thursday night, June, I think it's the 30th. Yes, it is. So check us out there. And uh, say hey if you listen to the podcast and I haven't met you yet. All right, let's get into our mailbox questions. Our first question comes in from Josh Novi. Josh wants to know, Rick, I hate to bother you, but do you remember what episode you talked about email list? I'm starting to get enough names on my email list now where I really should switch over to something that it will help me keep better track. Thanks. Hey, Josh, I'm not sure exactly which episode that was. I know I mentioned it on several of them. But what I'm going to do right now is do a quick recap in case anybody else out there is interested in how to keep track of those emails. First, let's just talk about how you collect them. Uh, a couple of basic ways, the old school way, and one you should always have, is a clipboard or two at your merch table if you're selling merch. And if you're not, have a, have a little table with just those two things, your two clipboards at the end of the show. And have a little list there where people can sign up. Their first name, last name if they want to give it, the email address, and make sure you give them plenty of room to write that out. Uh, one thing I like to do is put like those little boxes, so like they put each letter in each box, because when people fill out that, sometimes they go so fast that they can't really, they're not legible to me. So if you can print out a form that has like little boxes like that in the name and email area, that'll help you out. And then what state or city they're in. And if they don't fill out the city and state information, you can easily do that at the end of the event. Just look at the names you have, fill in the blanks, and that way you can target that specific list down the road if you come back to that specific town. Or that's a specific type group. Maybe you did a corporate event for healthcare workers. Well, now you have a database of healthcare workers. If you come out and you do a show for a medical association or something, you can promote it to that group. 
So that's a couple of ideas for, uh, for how you can use the information. What I'd also do, if you're producing this show and you're in charge of the whole thing, I would go to Kinko's or wherever people go to get stuff printed out now and make small little 3 by 5 cards that people can fill in at their tables. So, you know, you can make a sheet of them, make a sheet that has 8 or 10 on there and just spend some time cutting them out there at the Kinko's with the big uh, sling blades blade there and distribute those amongst the table. So if you got six chairs at the table, put five or six on the table to let people fill them out and also throw some pens or pencils down there so they can fill it out. And then as the MC hits the stage or if you're hosting, you say, hey, you see those bright yellow pieces of paper on your table? That's my email list. I would love for you to sign up to my email list. Every once in a while, I'll come back to the area and I'll get you a special discount on show tickets. Other things that are going on in my career, I'll let you know about if I'm on TV or radio or Bob and Tom or something like that. I'd love to let you know about that. So fill out those forms. And then at the end of the event, you simply collect those and have somebody key those in, whether it's you or a friend or your spouse key those into a spreadsheet and you've got those and now you've got something to work with some momentum now what do you do with them from there from there i would use a service i use mailchimp for everything i do for school of laughs and for my personal stuff for rick roberts comedy and mailchimp is really easy to work with they have a graduated pay scale so like if you only have i think it's 300 emails it's free and then after you get 300 emails it goes up to another thing it's tiered like that. So at the beginning, there's really no cost to you. And you can experiment with it, see what it's like. And if you have fun using it and you see it's effective, then certainly it's worth paying for over time. You know, I think mine is up to 30 bucks a month now, and that's for not a huge amount of emails on the MailChimp. So uh, if, it's definitely worth it without doubt. So as you, as you move forward, you'll find the reasons to use it more often as you promote more shows. The other thing that's great about MailChimp is... After you send the email to that group, say you had 100 people in Des Moines that you wanted to invite out to see you do a showcase at the Funny Bone, something like that. After you send it out, you'll start getting reports. You can like key in your information for that particular campaign, they call it, the email campaign. And you can see how many people opened it, how many times the people that opened it opened it, and if they shared it. And if you had any links on the inside, like to your website or to the Funny Bone, you can see how many people clicked that and went through. So that's real, really the beauty of using a, a, server, a service like MailChimp or AWeber. Uh, it'll really help you out. Even Constant Contact is pretty good at that. But I recommend MailChimp just because I know how to use it, and if you had a question about it down the line, I might be able to help you out. Last thing I'll say about email addresses is a lot of people think you don't need them because you can just stay friends with somebody on Facebook or hit them up on Twitter. And those things are great to have too, but by having their email address, you're always able to get your message out to them. When you post something on Facebook, maybe, maybe 8% of the people who like your page and follow you, so out of 1,000, maybe 80 will actually see that post. And if nobody shares it, likes it, or makes a comment on it, it's going to die right there. But if you have your email list, you can send it to all 1,000 and see how many people open it up out of 1,000. So that's why I would really recommend MailChimp or AWeber or Constant Contact somewhere down the line. All right, hope that helps you out, Josh. Let me know if you have any problems getting that thing figured out, but MailChimp is the way to go. Next question comes in from Bill Fondren. Bill's a Nashville guy, former student. says, hey, Rick, I'm helping a nonprofit agency plan a comedy fundraiser. Any suggestions on how to format the evening? The executive director was thinking anywhere between 90 minutes to a two-hour comedy show and maybe have some improv and a stand-up headliner. 
We're just getting started with this, so we're just looking for any information you might be able to provide. Hey, Bill. Good to hear from you, buddy. There is a lot of different ways you can do a comedy fundraiser. Uh, first thing you could do, obviously, is see if the comedy club in town would uh, help you out by providing the venue at a discounted cost. A lot of times they're happy on a Monday or Tuesday night to open up the doors if you can put enough traffic in there to take care of food and beverages to where it makes it worth their while because basically they're in the food and beverage business. So that's the first thing I'd check out is to see if you could rent the venue, what the price would be. Uh, if you couldn't do it at the comedy venue and you were doing it off-site at like a conference hall or a convention center or a banquet hall, something like that, then I would definitely keep the comedy show down shorter you know 75 minutes tops maybe 90 minutes if you feel you have to but at a fundraising event typically people want to go out they want to have a good time but a lot of times they just want to network and enjoy each other's company and they want to talk and mingle and all that kind of stuff so you know i always feel there's no reason to burn you know three comics doing a 90 minute show when you could just have a comic come out knock out a good solid hour and have the the person that's the head of the charity open up with five or ten minutes of just announcements and thanks for supporting the thing and just knock out an hour. If they do want a longer show, then of course it's gonna you know you're gonna have to have a bigger budget for your comedian. So just something to think about. Uh, another thing that a lot of the fundraisers do that I perform at, they have a uh, first hour or so is like heavy hors d'oeuvres and a silent auction which is a great way to add some extra money to the event, and uh, it's very little cost. You just ask different businesses to donate things. I know Zanies will donate tickets to shows that are not uh, like special event shows, just normal shows, and they'll be happy to donate that to get some people in the door. I know that many businesses, especially I see Lowe's all the time, will donate you know, like a drill set. Uh, you can have people put together gift baskets if you want, and then you just simply put a, a clipboard, again, that handy clipboard next to the item that's at the silent auction with a minimum starting bid and you let people write their name in there and what they want to pay for it so i've seen this raise you know gosh there was one silent auction at the monroe carroll benefit i did for vanderbilt hospital i think they raised something like twelve thousand dollars or something at the silent auction i mean they had guitars from like kicks brooks and stuff like that uh, musical artists and all kinds of golf trips and a trip to tuscany that was in there, you know, and that was going for four or five thousand bucks. So, with a little bit of legwork, you can raise some extra money outside of the ticket sales for that fundraiser. So, that's my advice. I would say find the venue first so you know what that cost is. Find your comedian second so you know what that cost is. Set your ticket price accordingly to accommodate the comedian, the venue, and still raise money for this, the charity. And then maybe have the head of the charity speak for five to ten minutes after the silent auction. The comedian goes up, knocks out an hour. Then the head of the charity comes back and announces the winners of the different auction items. And boom, you're out. Hope that helps. Our next question comes in from Matt. Matt says, hey, Rick, I'm a new comic. I've only been performing for four months. I started by taking a stand-up comedy class and listening to your podcast. And at the end of the class, I came out with about ten minutes of okay material. I have been writing and hitting open mics when I can, and I now have tightened up the material so I feel I have a solid six minutes. I've entered two comedy competitions in the last month to try and get some extra stage time. Both competitions, I did not come out on top, but I did walk away with some great lessons and tips from the other comedians. I want to know, though, am I trying to run before I can walk? I'm doing these competitions for stage time, but if I were to actually do well and move on to the second round, I wouldn't have any material left. So I want to get your opinion on whether I should keep open micing for a few more months until I have some solid material, 
or is entering competitions and shows at this point going to hurt my reputation when, if people find out, I don't have much material yet? Thanks for getting back to me, Matt. P.S. Love the show. Matt, that is a great question, and congratulations. I, I shot Matt a quick email back and asked where he is from, and he's from Southern California, Orange County, in the L.A. area. So that, that shadows my answer a little bit. So, Matt, here's what I would say. First off, congrats on hitting the stage as much as you have in such a short amount of time and for developing 10 minutes that you knew you had to whittle down and tighten up to a tight six minutes. So it sounds like the process is working for you. Whoever taught you that comedy class gave you some tools and techniques you could work with, and you're taking that into consideration and, and developing your material. That's awesome. Is it too soon to do contest? You know, with the right attitude, like the one you have, I would say it is not too soon. You're doing it for stage time. You're not doing it for exposure, necessarily. You're doing it to get on stage time. And when you're getting up there, you're going against, I assume, some pretty decent comics if they feel like they should be in the contest. So whether they're amateurs trying to win the amateur contest or a contest that has some pros mixed in, I think it's great, you know. I think it's great to develop some thick skin early on so you can take your lumps in a contest like that. But you know... What you're looking for, your result, is just getting better and getting stage time. Now, will it hurt your reputation if you keep losing and not winning the contest? I don't think so. If anything, if when people find out you've only been doing it for four months and you're faring decently in these contests, I think it should help. And people will have you on their radar early. Now, that being said, if you're failing horribly, which it doesn't sound like you are, but if you're up there and you're just eating it time and time again, then maybe, yeah, I would step out of the contest hit the open mics, get my material a bit tighter, then come back when I had enough to maybe do well in the first round and move on to the second. But again, if people know you've just been doing it for four months and you're in the contest and you're willing to do that just for stage time, I think you're in good shape. So keep it up. Keep writing. That's the other important thing. You've got your 10 minutes down to six. Now write six more so you can add more time to your set and keep evolving with what you've got. Listen to the audience. See what they like. See what they respond to. Write more of that. When they're quiet, look at your premises, make sure they're clear. Look at your punchlines, make sure they're funny. And if they're not, tweak those things. And just keep using that stage time in those comedy contests to get better, faster. Good luck, Matt. Our next email comes in. Uh, it says, Hi, my name is Jeremy Standridge. I ran across your YouTube video about Am I Too Old to Start Comedy? I want to do comedy really bad. And I've had this dream for over 20 years. But honestly, I didn't have the guts. My number one fear is being heckled and failing. I'm turning 42 this year and figured I have nothing to lose. I was wondering if you'd give me some advice about these two fears. When I do get a chance to do an open mic, I would love to email you and let you know how it went. Thank you for your time and advice on the subject. Thank you, Jeremy, for that email. Very good question and very common fear, failure and heckled. So uh, you know, being heckled is a fear for a lot of people when you first start. And then some people, as they get going, that's their favorite thing to happen you know you can watch those steve hofstetter videos where he kind of baits people into heckling him and then he just goes at him that's his that's his deal now so it can be overcome obviously uh, i've done a couple of episodes in the past about stage fright and about bombing i would recommend going back and listening to uh, episode 54 overcoming stage fright episode 62 bombing on comedy stage and 71 trying out new jokes because that's a time when you typically will get heckled or bomb when you're trying out new untried stuff. So episodes 54, 62, and 71. 
In short, what I would tell you, Jeremy, is yes, A, you have nothing to lose. You're 42, and uh, you're not getting any younger, man. So go out and just know that you will be heckled at some point, and you will fail often and early. And as you get better, it'll happen less often and less uh, less as of late. <laughs> man, sometimes I just talk till I stop. So what I would do is just, you know, it's going to be part of the process. So one thing you can do is you write material. Write a couple of save lines for when you do fail or for when a joke does bomb. A save line is something that a comic will use. It's kind of like a go-to line when things don't go right. So, you know, lots of comics will say something like, man, when you guys don't like a joke, you really don't mess around. Something like that is called a save line. Uh, I used to do one where I would say, uh, for more on that joke, go to awkwardsilence.com. And that's just a way of letting the crowd know that you know that something didn't work right there and you still get a laugh by doing the save line. But just, I think, you know, those three podcasts are going to help you more than what I can give you real quickly here on this one. Just know it's going to happen. And, you know, I saw a great quote from Salvador Dali recently. And he said basically, don't fear perfection because you'll never see it. And I thought that was great. There's nothing out there that we create as humans that's perfect. We get close. And sometimes we spend many, many, many years trying to get close, but it's really unnecessary. Do good work, and good things will happen. So I hope that helps you. Just know that it's going to happen. Every comic ever has been heckled and has failed, and that's just part of the process. Thanks, Jeremy. And our last email question today comes in from Jim Wilson. Jim says, Rick, I heard you mention something called Club 52 on a recent podcast, but I can't find it anywhere on your website, schooloflast.com. What is it? Hey, very good question, and I'll tell you a little bit about it, but I don't want to sound too much like a, a promo in the middle of my podcast. But basically, Club 52 is a 52-week email challenge. So each Friday, members of Club 52 will get an email challenge from me, helping them to kind of get their comedy career in focus. Some of the emails will be about branding, marketing, social media. Some of the challenges will be about your material, your performance style, your website. Uh, We're going to cover pretty much everything a comedian tackles, and we're going to break it into 52 small, bite-sized challenges that I'll give you, and each week you'll have plenty of time. None of these challenges are going to take more than 30 minutes to knock out. Uh, unless you really want them to. You can get as deep as you want into a lot of these challenges. But basically, each week you have a purpose. Instead of just sitting there waiting for your next call for a gig or wondering why nobody's calling, I'm going to give you some things to work on your career so that I think at the end of the 52 weeks you'll see a noticeable improvement not only in your approach to how you handle the business of comedy, but also to your writing and your promotion of that. So that's what Club 52 is. Now, it's not a class that I'm teaching. It is a benefit to members who support the podcast through patreon who are at the seven dollar level of contribution so patreon sponsors sponsor the podcast monthly with a donation and if you're at the seven dollars a month level or higher you're invited to be part of club 52 and that starts the day you start uh, pledging into patreon so uh, if you start Three months from now, maybe you hear this podcast in August, September, October, and you're like, oh, I missed the deadline for starting. No, it starts when you start. So the first week that you join 
as a sponsor, as a patron, you'll get an email with the very first week challenge of Club 52, and that'll continue for an entire year. So uh, thanks for the question. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon sponsor, again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash school of laughs. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And I appreciate the people that are sponsoring me through that, and it's helping me uh, find the time, find the energy, and find the focus to continue these podcasts. We've got some great ones coming up where we have some more of those comedy challenges where we brainstorm some bits here on the mics and then go to the real mics in front of the crowd, test those jokes out, and then bring them back in for more analysis, just like we did with John Branion recently. I've got episodes coming up with Brian Bates and Johnny Weathington here in Nashville where we did the same thing. And if you would like to get in on that and you're a Patreon sponsor, uh, you can do that just by shooting me an email, and we can hook up a Skype time or a Google Hangout time to brainstorm some ideas back and forth, and then boom, that will be a future episode part one. And then as you record those bits in front of audiences and bring them back to the podcast, that'll be our follow-up episode. So lots of great response from that one we did with John Brandon, that three-part series. That'll be a, a big part of what we do going forward because it seems to be a great way to get the information out and have some fun with it. All right, that's enough from me this week. Next week, tune back in Thursday for another new episode of the School of Last podcast. And again, thanks to all the Patreon sponsors out there for helping out the show, and especially to this week's sponsor, Brent Allen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.